You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekha Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of The Retail Perch. And it's been a busy summer for us. We've had a lot of amazing guests here on the show. And, uh, you know, at The Retail Perch, we talk about emerging trends about retail technologies and opportunities that are presented in front of the supermarket industry. And we've pulled in people from all kinds of backgrounds here, Gary, in the last, in the summer, right? We have from academia to business to tech to you name it. Yeah. And today we're going to make one more interesting uh, turn in our podcast as we bring somebody in from the healthcare industry. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're going to talk about in the conversions of food retail and healthcare and implications, what's going on out there. And hopefully you guys will get to uh, learn a lot. We're certainly looking forward to this conversation. But to introduce our guest, I'm going to turn over to my amazing co-host, Gary Hawkins. So we've got Marcus from ScriptSave with us, a, a big player in the pharmacy space. And I'm going to let Marcus introduce himself and provide some of his background. Sure. Thanks. And it's always an honor to be here and talk to you guys. My name is Marcus Shodzinski. i been in the pharmacy healthcare space for 31 years now. I've been in clinical hospital pharmacy. I was a uh, director of a regional cancer center pharmacy. I've worked in really large national and regional health plans and uh, executive pharmacy roles. I did a turn in international pharma where I worked in marketing and accounts and product launches, which was super exciting to see that side of the business. For the last probably 13, 14 years, I've been working with StripSave and now MedImpact, which is our uh, parent company in the pharmacy benefit management business. And I've held a, a variety of executive roles with that company. And lastly, to round it off, I've held an academic position with the University of Arizona, uh, helping teach pharmacoeconomics, which is the economics of healthcare and pharmacy and also managed care. So maybe that's why you have me. I, I'm, I'm academia, healthcare, pharmacy, hospital, <laughs> So hopefully Everybody. I can bring an interesting lens to your conversation today. <laughs> I think you, I know you bring an interesting perspective to it, you know, and certainly I, I think maybe a place to start here is a topic that I'm sure is on everybody's mind, you know, from the last 18 months around the uh, pandemic and so on. What, what uh, Marcus, have you seen in terms of uh, impact of the pandemic on people's eating habits and, and how that sort of connects to the world of healthcare, pharmacy, et cetera? That's a big question and probably has four or five sub-questions. I'll, I'll, I'll try to go from 50,000 feet and sort of deflate the balloon a bit and bring it down to reality. I think the first thing, I think the healthcare system and, and the, let's say the individuals and patients, if you will, has seen is the greater acceleration of digital in the healthcare. I think that was you know, one of the first things that we experienced is um, when I started in healthcare, we used to think a $200 a month drug was, oh my gosh, that's just, how could anybody have a $200 a month drug? In today's world, I would, you know, do a cartwheel if we saw a drug that was effective for $200 a month. I mean, common diseases like plaque psoriasis, you know, the drugs can cost upwards of $80,000, $90,000 a year. And so people were panicked, obviously, they thought supply chains could slow. And they were wanting 90, 120 day supplies of extraordinarily expensive medicine. So it was 
trying to assuage, you know, the, the, the caregivers, the physicians were concerned. We need to stock up on drugs that they're infusing. So there was sort of a, you know, almost a tidal wave of, of ask coming at first. I think the next part was a lot of people had critical disease. You know, obviously the tragedy of the pandemic and a highly infectious disease slowed the access to care. You know, my own personal physician wasn't seeing patients. So having a digital access to care. I think that the next thing that came up healthcare wise is how do we communicate with, you know, as, as payers of healthcare, as pharmacy systems of healthcare, I think it just, what it did is it just literally just put a large like cinder block on the accelerator pedal for digital. I think the, the last is, you know, United States was already in the throes of an obesity pandemic, if you will. And I think the sedentary aspect of COVID may have accelerated this. So I think one of our concerns as healthcare payers too is looking at diet, exercise, especially nutrition as being a key cornerstone for healthcare delivery, Gary and Shaker. You know, if you look at chronic disease uh, that is most up on the radar screen for payers, it's usually cardiovascular disease, hypertension, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, it's diabetes. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it's these diseases that always are like in the top two or three, but if you track it back, a lot of that can be tracked back to obesity, especially type two diabetes and, and cardiovascular disease. So I think one of the things we've done as a company is really look at that sort of leg on the stool that isn't a paid for commodity in the healthcare system. We don't pay for groceries, but groceries may be one of the most important parts in staving off chronic disease. So, so you're coming around the pandemic accelerating the digitalization of healthcare really, I, I think, resonates and will resonate with people listening uh, because we've absolutely seen that across the, the retail industry. You, you know, certainly uh, digitizing processes, et cetera, across the supply chain, but in particular, the growth of, of digital engagement with consumers. So it sounds like you're seeing some of that from the way healthcare providers engage with patients. Subscribers, I, I know, uh, you know, I've seen, I think one of my kids doing video, you, you know, with the doctor and so on, instead of going to the office. Uh, so you've seen it there as well as digitalization of, of healthcare records and that type thing. Absolutely. You know, um, if your phone can carry thousands and thousands of songs, your phone should be able to carry pretty complex healthcare records. And one of the challenges that's been exacerbated by COVID is folks not staying in the same job for long periods of time. So which translates into people having different insurance coverage. You know, we can see people go from, you know, one plan to another plan to Medicaid back to another plan. And in the US, uh, we don't obviously have a national payer system for most commercial payers. I mean, unless you're in a VA or unless you're in Medicare, unless you're in Medicaid. So what happens is the, the healthcare records can get fractured. Um, you see a lot of people who are dealing with very large catastrophic health plan coverage, meaning huge deductibles, lots of co-insurance, people paying out of pocket for things. And to track that information, you know, one of the things that we're looking at very closely as a, as a health payer system is being able to track those digital records in real time so we can make sure that those records are available. You know, these big data sets become very, very important when you look at a disease like hepatitis C, where a pill, a pill can cost $1,000. And it's just to ship somebody 
you know, $30,000 of pills and say, gosh, we hope this all works out for everybody, you know, to be able to digitally interact with that patient, how are you doing? Are you tolerating it? You know, can you give us some feedback so then we can feed that back to the physician if you're not tolerating it? What dietary, you know, options do you have when you're taking these medications, especially again, going back to diabetes and heart disease, these become critically important. And you're right, you know, we're just seeing a lot of patients get back to physicians' offices, but with the Delta variant causing a lot of concern across the country again with hospitals filling up, I think that it's going to be becoming a struggle. You know, a lot of patients use the emergency room, or let's historically have, as a primary gatekeeper for their care. And you just can't show up on a Sunday night at seven o'clock and think you're going to be seen in two hours. The emergency rooms are overwhelmed. So yeah, so being able to, to solve these problems through mindful digital programs and then not look at healthcare as just, you know, physician, patient, drug, but look at the total lifestyle. And I think that's the one thing I think that the pandemic has really uncovered for us all is that the, the lifestyle changes you can make again to metabolic disease, fatty liver disease, high blood pressure, hypertriglyceridemia, type two diabetes. It, it, it all rolls up into a lot of lifestyle management. And I, Gary, I think you and I, Jake and I have discussed in the past, I think one of the most important things isn't just to spike the ball in the end zone and say, we have a digital tool, we can communicate. I, I think the reward has to be there. The auto industry does a great job rewarding safe driving behavior. I think we need to look at healthcare and what kind of rewards we can create for patients to do the right thing, to incent right behaviors as well. So Marcus, I, I think that that's a really interesting topic and one that can go in a lot of different directions, but to drill down on that just a bit, you mean that from the perspective of you know compliance with whatever prescriptions are on, that type thing, but also over in eating habits and in, in nutrition? Absolutely. You know, the pharmacy in a grocery store represents what, maybe 700 square feet in a seven to 70,000 square foot building. There's a lot of choice that can be made on that visit to a, a grocer shopper shopping experience on healthcare. So, you know, what we are looking at is how do you create a reward for persistence, compliance, adherence on medications? These things can be copay cards, they can be patient assistance programs, point of sale rebates, incentives for uh, tracking adherence and compliance. But the next step, right, is like if you have metabolic disease, if you have fatty liver disease, if you have diabetes, when you're shopping and pushing the cart around the store, what choices are you making in that store and shopping? What can we incent you? I mean, someone who has poor eating habits, I don't expect them to move from Pop-Tarts to kale. There's a journey there, right? There's a healthy eating journey, but creating sort of the, you know, carrot on the end of the stick, whether that's financial or discount on a specific item in a grocery uh, shopping experience, and not just the groceries, you know, for a retail pharmacy, there's aisles and aisles and aisles of minerals and supplements and other products that you know, help. I mean, gastrointestinal health is a classic. I mean, celiac disease, we didn't talk about that 10 years ago. Now there's half an aisle dedicated to, you know, gluten-free products. So yeah, all of that, Gary, you, you, I think that having been in healthcare for a long time, I think one of the things that we need to pay even more attention to more than ever is the reward, financial or otherwise. Uh, re rewards and incentives. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So this is, uh, this is incredibly uh, absorbing because, you know, I guess what we've been trying to do here, Marcus, is 
you know, connect the dots between how does somebody's visit to a physician relate to their visit to the grocery store and how can we connect the dots between here and build a bridge where the, where the, they're more aligned, right? And how big an impact do you think that can really have on the overall, I think it's reducing a, the reducing the load of the healthcare system. So people are, we build a healthier population, right? Because you, you ultimately, because obviously based on what you said, lots of, lots of these lifestyle diseases can be managed by better diet, better lifestyle. So in your view, how do you, how do you build that bridge? I think, again, I think the physicians have done a phenomenal job in the prescribing community, you know, the nurse practitioners, the physician's assistants, and physicians themselves are aware, especially, let, let's talk about it, manageable chronic diseases that affect, you know, let's say nutrition. And you, I keep going back to metabolic disease, but it's also men's health, you know, women's health and childbearing years, you know, there's right and wrong choices to make in a grocery store. Uh, men's health, you know, for men who are aging, women who are post-menopause, there are choices. There are actually grocery choices that can be made. Looking again at gastrointestinal health, and I mean, whether it's, you know, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, celiac disease, you know, there's again, lots of choice. I, I, I think again, embedding these in handheld digital tools that the patient themselves owns, right? The patient uh, is incented to have a, a home for all their healthcare. I, I also, Shaker, don't wanna create app fatigue in these members. Uh, a lot of times, the pharmaceutical industry, we should talk about that, who is a critical component of where we could get success. I mean, obviously the pharmaceutical industry does an incredible job in changing behavior. I mean, they have, and they, they historically have done a great job of that. I know a lot of people complain about it, but they've really done a great job in behavioral changes. But you, you just can't, if, if someone has diabetes, high blood pressure, fatty liver, and COPD, and they're on seven drugs from six drug companies, and they see three doctors, all of a sudden you have 12 apps on your phone. We also have to create a, a sort of a singularity, if you will. We have to create a, a, a entry point. I know everybody's in a mad dash to see who owns that retail space on your phone, but I think in the end, you know, the members will make choice. You know, a lot of times a pharmaceutical company will come to me and say, what would a member pay for an app in diabetes? And I go, well, on the app store, there might be 25 free apps. And I think a lot of people who are price conscious are going to shop through free apps before they pay for an app. So I think, you know, my mentor, <laughs> Dave Cabance, I'll give him a plug. He always told me that unless you have the physicians, the plans, PBMs, pharma aligned, you're never going to meet success. And I think a lot of times there's always been this push and pull between, you know, the physicians will say the health plan didn't do this and the health plan will say pharma didn't do that. I think with as fast as the world's acting, I think getting the pharmaceutical companies, our grocery retail partner industry, the physicians and health plans aligned to goals and then incenting those goals, whether that's a copay offset, whether that's a free office visit, if someone has obesity to get checked, whether it's you know, a, a, a deductible change or an insurance uh, reduction. I think there are some models out there that have been interesting, but I just think we need to get more aggressive shaker. I, I think telling somebody that you're overweight and you need to be, you need to be compliant on diabetes medications isn't working really well right now. Right. You need to be a little bit more innovative and creative. I guess what you're saying is we need to make it easier for people to act on the advice. And, right. and get rewarded on the behavioral change or... Right. You, know, you, can see, you see instant behavior feedback if you shop on a specific 
you know, well-known shopping site and you can see points accumulate. And, you know, that's why, you know, things like Marriott points and other companies point systems have created so much loyalty, right? Because you saw value in that. So I think we're at this great opportunity right now. You know, one of the things that came up come, is coming out of COVID that we can hopefully use as an opportunity is again, to, to use these digital tools in a really succinct fashion. Yeah. Thanks to the third piece of the puzzle, right? Because you have the pharma industry, you have your, the doctors, and then ultimately people are walking into a grocery store and buying products off a shelf. And I guess the, and you know, because this, you know, in this podcast, we have a lot of people who are in the grocery industry, retailers and solution providers. I guess there's a role for CPG companies and grocery retailers to make it actually convenient, simple for some of that labels to be understood, you know, for some of that advertising to be more aligned with customers. I mean, I find it incredibly hard to discriminate between a healthy and an unhealthy product when I walk into a grocery store because there's just so much marketing that's going on a packaging, right? It's distracting and it does takes away. So clearly there seems like there's a role here for both brands as well as retailers to be on this bandwagon of, hey, how do we create a healthy shopper community and which results in a healthier community, which then, you know, I guess they all, they all have, it all has a domino effect. Well, there should be incentive shaker. You know, obviously there's maybe it's not obvious that all that aren't deeply in, involved in healthcare, but let's say an independent re retail, you know, grocer has a very large health plan that they're associated with in their region. Like there's a large insurance company that's predominant in the you know, upper Midwest segment of the country. Well, you know, that those insurers want the healthiest possible people they can, right? That's what they're in the business for is improving health outcomes. And, you know, if a grocer could do a partnership showing like, look, we're steering people towards better choices. We're trying to incent them towards better choices. And if there can be a collaborative effort around, you know, again, metabolic disease as a whole, that these patients were going to work on incenting them to be adherent and compliant to medications. We can get them to a BMI, you know, body mass index goals on if they have obesity issues. We can, you know, it, 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 there, there's an incentive aligned there between the grocer retail community and, and the health plan PBM industry. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a program that we've worked on in personalized wellness and our WellRx apps is trying to make those connections with grocers, right? Trying to get all that aligned in one space. So when someone picks up a, a, a prescription, for let's say hypertension or hyperlipidemia, high cholesterol, that they can be incented to scan and select, you know, FDA backed, American Diabetic Association backed, American Heart Association backed foods, create scores, create value. And again, the next step in all that is then create a reward, create the right thing, right? I think that is the perfect push and pull. And I think, you know, being able to create that opportunity right now, I, I think, and, and pharma's involved too, right? I mean, pharma could be, you know, part of the triangulation in a good way process to get all, all these incentives in line. You know, from what you're saying, Marcus, there's a lot of participants in this whole ecosphere that have to be brought together from the, the doctor, the nurse practitioner, the healthcare provider, to, you know, the pharmacy, to the pharmas, to health insurance companies, managed care organizations, to retailers, et cetera. I, I think, you know, part of the challenge over in the food industry is getting particularly the big CPGs aligned to this idea of healthier, more nutritious foods, you know, as opposed to 
sugar laden cereal and cookies and chips and so on. And also the restaurants and, you know, prepared foods, which typically are, are not too healthy. You know, it's, it's getting those elements of the food industry aligned to this whole thing. You know, it, it, it's happened, Gary, you know, maybe we should take some examples of things that have been successful because, you know, again, recipes are great, but portion controls is important as ingredients in a recipe, right? It's like, golly gosh, I just made this great salad, but I'm eating, you know, a, 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 you know, a dog size, <laughs> a German shepherd size bowl of it, you know, it's about portion control. And I think that's part of it. But, you know, there was a program called Silver Sneakers, and it was built to incent Medicare members to have access to gyms and very, very, very low out-of-pocket cost to them. And it created a reward for the gym to allow those Medicare participating members, seniors, to get reimbursed for them coming in, whether it was a dollar a visit, $2 a visit, something like that. So it was an incentive to create membership for gym. And it was, and, and the health plans, especially the Medicare plans, obviously, you know, what better tool than to have, you know, the baby boomer generation that tends to be a pretty healthy generation and was pretty exercise focused to, to go to a gym and work out. Why wouldn't you do that for a very nominal out-of-pocket cost to create a healthy lifestyle modification? So, but there was a reward, right? The Medicare member had access to a great gym at low out-of-pocket cost. The gym had a reward for increasing membership. Medicare plans have a reward for creating healthier seniors. So I think, you know, we, that, that, that just, to me, screams that it has been done. The incentives yeah. were aligned. I think a couple strong pilots with either regional grocers, you know, it's, it could be, and the CPG companies could be the way we win, Gary. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would agree. And Shaker, I know something we've talked about is, you know, the opportunity in helping retailers understand if their product assortment across the store, across different categories is really aligned with their shoppers' needs and, and health and well-being. Yeah, you know, and I think we've also talked about uh, looking at a retailer's sales from a wellness angle, right? And looking at, hey, what's the intent of your shoppers, right? Because let's be honest, you know, we all have an intent to be to eat healthy, right? What, what we wind up doing can be fairly divergent from what our original goal is. And because I think if you ask anybody in the street, hey, do you want to live a healthy life? Do you want to do this? They're all going to say yes to it. But ultimately, when they come to execute it, they're either being handicapped by the fact that they're unable to understand and discriminate properly, or they're giving in to some, you know, impromptu uh, temptation. Yep. You know, and it's a little bit of both, I think, for a lot of people, right? And I think with what Marcus is saying, it's really interesting because I think if you put in the right incentives and the right, you know, signals at the right time, you can really get people moving in the right direction. And it's a fantastic effort. I mean, it's, I think it's such a win-win-win for everybody because the consumer wins. I think you have, you have a healthier population. You have a more productive country. You got, you know, less stress in the healthcare system. It's it's a win for everybody. And, you know, I, I think it's very exciting what you guys are doing, obviously, Marcus, and it's, it's, a, it's a huge ship to turn. But what are some of the things that you see happening that you're executing right now? Can you? Um, one is, again, trying to, I hate to use the word triangulate because it always has a negative, um, usually has a negative connotation. But again, to, to, if we're going to speak to a regional grocer or a national grocer or regional national retailers is to talk about, you know, 
that obviously they have those specific needs in the store, right? Whether it's product sales, specific CPG products, it, even if they don't have a pharmacy associated with their store, people who use prescriptions do shop in their stores, right? And they're making lifestyle, behavioral, healthcare choices in there. So even if they don't have a pharmacy associated with that specific location, you would think that they'd be incented. Like, you know, I don't get a gym membership joining a specific health plan usually, right? But there was an impetus to create value around gym memberships and Medicare. So why not start to look at these values and talk to the, you know, the grocery retailers about, let's maybe sit down with a couple of strong regional or national uh, health insurers in your region or pharmacy benefit managers you know, that your folks are associated with. And let's see what we can do to create those incentives. You know, again, if we if there's a digital platform to do it on, great. You know, if it's snail mail, you know, we'll take it. But I, I think if there if there are a, a, a grocer or a regional trade organization that has pharmacies in there, well, they're incented, right, to have adherence, compliance, and persistency with their members. You know, they want to show value back to the payers that are having them in network. I think it's really just sitting down and having those conversations. You know. It, What's been unsuccessful for me historically is siloed conversations. You know, meet with pharmacy, meet with health plan, meet with members, meet with pharma. I think we, you know, I see a lot of trade associations getting more, let's say, holistic in who they're inviting. Uh, I think that is extraordinarily important, whether it's, you know, National Association of Chain Drug Stores has focus on pharma. You know, I think when I walk the hallways, or at least when we did walk hallways in big national trade conferences, to see more diversity on the floor. I think, I think that's extraordinarily important. And I, again, I'll, I'll say it again, I think COVID has been a digital accelerator. I think people are much more comfortable using digital tools than they ever have been in the past. Yeah, and I, I think as part of that, really for probably the first time in history, something like this and, and what you're talking about could happen because all the data now across healthcare, all the data across food in retail is all digitized now. So we can begin to connect all these different things and leverage you know, some, some powerful uh, software tools and other things to gain the insights from that, certainly communicate back to the individual and provide that kind of guidance, incentives, and so on. I think you need to think out of the box on those rewards. I mean, if it's gamification, if you will, of that reward, I think sometimes we need to get beyond our prejudices. Like, you know, someone hits a, a goal, whether it's high blood pressure goal or it's a it's a cholesterol goal, you know, sending them a, a rower might sound like the right thing to do, but maybe the right thing to do is a month free of, you know, Netflix or some gamification points if they're a younger patient or if they're an older patient, you know, you have to think about what incense individuals. And I think we need to customize that just like we're customizing a lot of these digital tools. We cannot vanilla the gamification or reward system, just like we can't vanilla the front end to incent the behavior. And I, I think area related to that I've been thinking more about lately is the idea of using different experiences as rewards, right? So it's not just say 50 cents on you know, this frozen broccoli or something, um, or, you know, here's a deal on a health club membership, it's different experiences, you know, earn a, a weekend at a outdoor ranch, right, if you're in Colorado, or, you know, whatever that experience might be, and potentially it's, it's something that aligns with 
the health goals or, you know, a healthy lifestyle? Yeah, it has to be individualized. And again, I think no one can say that we're not going to see a digital healthcare revolution. We're going to be, you know, people are going to own more and more and more information on their handheld devices than ever before. Every physician visit has some digital interaction. And, and I think a lot of that information is going to be portable. So if someone's, you know, journeying through jobs, let's say someone switches jobs every two years, you know, right. They could see six, seven, eight different health plans and PBMs in their journey. You know, that information, you know, that data set has to be portable and it's only good for the incoming plan too. Someone comes to us uh, as a large, as med impact, a large PBM, we would love to have the experience of all their information, you know, shopping behaviors, digitized it, you know, and incent them to help provide that. So we can, you know, put them on a very healthy journey. So, yeah, I think, I think you're hitting it, Gary. And I, I, I've never felt more strongly that I think they're on the cusp of this. And we've got some enormously powerful partners available on, on the retail side, the CPG side, pharma, PBMs, plans. I mean, they're extraordinarily powerful, you know, silos that need to join together for these you know, journeys. Yeah. Isn't Marcus on the healthcare side, isn't the, the healthcare industry in, in general, and, and I'm sure you can go into more specifics, but sort of being prodded or pushed in the direction of, um, you know, reimbursements, uh, revenue, et cetera, being tied more to performance than just simply prescribing a drug or, you know, uh, a certain treatment? You know, well, Medicare sort of has led the charge on that, right? You know, having rating systems for right behaviors. So, no, of, of course, the entire healthcare industry is incented, you know, to have the best, you know, like call it key opinion leaders, centers of excellence, you know, for highly expensive procedures like transplant, you know, there's all kinds of metrics out there evaluating it. I think the one, I'll go back to it, tend to get what you incent, right, in life in general. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we as a healthcare system need to look at is beyond the benefit, right? Like if my auto insurance told me that they would, you know, reduce my auto insurance if I put you know, new tires on my car more frequently because I would be less likely to have an accident and they might create a reward for that. You might be more likely to get your oil changed and your tires looked at and your brakes looked at. You know, that's, a, that's an interesting like other analog that how, how would the auto industry look at that? Or how would the auto insurance industry? I think the healthcare industry, again, grocery is not a covered benefit, you know, but it's never, in my opinion, with metabolic disease on a just it's just a massive accelerator right now. I think we have to look at beyond the prescription, if you will. You know, it's kind of how I put it when I give talks to my students. You know, we, you know, hey, it's great that we've all memorized the pharmacopoeia and know every drug in a molecular way and what it does, but you also have to look at beyond the prescription. You know, a lot of these patients might not need to be on a prescription. That's the best way to save money if they change their behaviors and change their lifestyle. You know, someone whose BMI is 31 and they're 28 years old and they're hypertensive, hypertrichosidemic and have, you know, start a fatty liver disease and their hemoglobin A1C7, a, life, a healthy lifestyle could, might make them drug free. Yeah. Right. So I think a lot of patients, I think the other catastrophic thing that's happened, I mentioned earlier is benefit design has become catastrophic for a lot of people. You know, people, a lot of people just don't pay a copay anymore. They have extraordinarily high out-of-pocket costs. So I think they're looking for solutions and keep coming back to it. We, we have one in front of us and it's, we can start at the grocery store. Yeah. Right. 
So what is the, if there was a message that you had to send out, because a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are retailers, and if you had to point them in a direction, say, hey, here, here's my piece of advice, what would that be? I think the biggest piece of advice is let, let's try to get the stakeholders together at the table. So, you know, let's not look at the health plan or the PBM, you know, or the physician group or the pharma company as someone who's a negative, you know, stakeholder. I think every one of the folks I mentioned, I know I'm missing a bunch, laboratories, you know, the nursing community, et cetera. Um, we need to be a little bit more holistic in the thinking about improving chronic disease health, especially chronic disease health, right? Not just looking at it seasonally, like it's spring, it's allergy season, it's fall, it's flu season. I mean, obviously those are healthcare opportunities, right? But we're plagued right now with a, a chronic, you know, metabolic disease issue. And I think these, uh, getting these stakeholders, it's a long-winded ask, but getting the stakeholders together and, and looking at aligned incentives, it's never been more right. And we can accelerate then the solutions through the digital tools more than we ever could before. Y yes. So Marcus, it's been, this is fantastic. This is fascinating. I think uh, obviously there's this stuff that we're doing together that we can dive into maybe at a future podcast. And once we have a little bit more data and stuff to talk about, but for those who are out there listening, you know, uh, Birdseye, of course, works with ScriptSave and putting together some amazing solutions that are coming out. You can find out more about them on our websites and there's a bunch of communication that you can subscribe to. Uh, but Marcus, I want to thank you for being on the show. It's been a lot of fun. I'm going to have to listen to this when this comes out to unpack everything you've said because it's <laughs> a lot of stuff. There's, there's, this is certainly not a simple problem. It's a pretty you know, complex because you have to first figure out how to align everybody's goals well enough that it's a win-win-win deal for everybody, right? And clearly having a healthier population, everybody wins. I think it's a question of what's the route to get there where it feels like everybody's winning along the way as well, right? Right, so, yeah, there's, you know, there's not a TV commercial that has a magic bullet to solve the problem. I think the, the magic bullet we do have is the digitized event for the member themselves and the take advantage of right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, to me, the big message to the, the retailers is that while nearly every food retailer has some kind of health and wellness program today, I, I think, you know, Marcus, as you've so clearly called out here, we really are in an inflection point with where this can go, right? You know, accelerated by the digitalization of everything here, but, you know, all these new tools and, and there's a growing um, I, I think need and desire across the healthcare industry, across the food industry, to finally bring all these pieces together, figure this out. I couldn't agree more. And I think everybody's going to win again if we sort of take off our hats and say, look, there, there's a collaborative effort here that has to happen through strife and through need. You know, industries develop. And I think, you know, between the constituents that we've all talked about today, I think we all have the tools, you know, in our toolbox to, to, to do this. And I, again, it has to be collaborative and it has to be patient centric and it has to be digitized. Yep. Well, thank you. It was such an honor and thought provoking as always. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. And Marcus, I saw you sipping on your water or juice or whatever it was, but we do have a uh, coffee mug by Retail Perch that we'd love to send out to you. Sign me up, sign me up. I have my healthy water here, non-sugared water. That's right. So, well, you know, we, we have no problem if you want to drink water out of that. No, mug. no, no, not, not well to do. I coffee too. 
<laughs> but you know, yeah, definitely. We'd love to get you back on a few months. I'm sure we're going to have more data points to talk about that we can provide a little bit more concrete evidence of some of what you're doing and how it's benefiting people out there. Gary? No, we, we have uh, already started with a very large national payer system with some amazing first round outcomes with some of the things that we're working on jointly. And I think, you know, using those as evidence, the, the evidence is implicit, right? But everybody wants to have a document. And I think we're, we're, we're all on the verge of that right now, which is exciting. Fantastic. Yeah. Gary, anything? Perfect. No, great conversation as I knew it would be. So Marcus, thanks for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, thank you, folks, and for, for you for guys for listening. And you know, I also wanted to give a call out to the CPG guys, Gary. We actually are figured on their favorite podcast list. Um, right. I, don't know what, I don't know what you did. I don't know what I did, but somehow seem, people seem to like it. But uh, uh, you know, I want to kind of congratulate Stephanie as well. It puts us together because you know, I think she makes us sound pretty good. So yeah, yeah so she's done a great job. Well, but this I'll, has been a fun I'll conversation. I'll do to her efforts. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, we have these amazing guests coming on the show and we appreciate you guys continuing to support us and listen to this podcast. And Marcus, we're going to get you back on sooner than you think, but thank you so much for your time. And uh, for everybody out there, you guys have a wonderful week and we'll catch you again in about a week's time and uh, over and out. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. Bye.